Welcome to the Doghouse. I'm Diana. And I'm David. It's Riverdale, Season 7, Episode 5, Chapter 122, Tales in the Jugular Vein. Principal Featherhead takes aim at the negative influence comic books have over kids, just as Jughead is tasked by Pet Comics to write four tales for the new issue. Uh... It's our bottle episode. Womp womp. Yeah, it's our... It's our spooky, scary, like, trip picked, but only this time we did four instead, uh, which is fine. Um, and it's our Jughead's a raving misogynist episode. Uh, a little bit, yeah. I think, I feel like they were trying to go more for Jughead just views sex as optional, and he's just not interested. Definitely trying to go more towards that um, ace depiction of Jughead, which is fine. But it came off as very misogynistic but the thing that got me more than the misogyny because that's all over the show anyways is that it's very uh let's harm archie yes (laughs) Um, archie seeing this episode should be like oh my god my friend jug is gonna murder me (laughs) he (laughs) wants no good things for me and i could i could see a jughead argument of like I just like you're like you're my best friend, but you're also my only friend who is in this world. Like you're horny and you're preppy and you're a jock. And so like you're the only person I know. You're my way into these worlds. Like I can see that argument, but at the same time, it's a little concerning. And you know that's gonna become a plot point. What with the framework of this story setting up. I mean, it it could be. The deeper subtext is that. Yeah, he's writing comic books and he's writing his morality. I think the issue is more that Jug's morality is very rooted in the era. Mm-hmm. And like all of these stories are so, I mean, he comments on it being morality plays, but they're all morality plays around 50s ideals, mm-hmm. which is why Veronica calls him out at the end. I don't know. I don't know if it's so much that it's just 50s. Um, it's really repressed is what it is. Repressed feels like it. And I th- I really do think it was to take aim at the fact that it was like, I am not interested in any of this. I, I, as a teenager in this world, am not interested in sports. I am not interested in sex. I am not interested in like anything. So his view of these situations that he's presented are going to be very judgmental. Yes. Very much so. And I do think it's fair that he says, hey, the guys aren't written very well either. I feel like that exchange was very off because, yes, he writes girls horribly, but he also is writing the boys as horrible villains, too, in a different way. But they are not getting off looking good in any of these. So I feel like that exchange was trying to hit a button that they missed horribly. I don't I don't see it so much that way. But also, I mean, if we if we we don't have to think too hard to realize what this is pointing to. Totally. I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. I'm a weirdo. Which is totally <laughs> fine. Um classic jug. Um yeah, there it's are also a- it's also real hard not to tie this into Cole Sprouse as a human. Yeah, that did not help. Um doesn't <laughs> some yeah. It takes on a bigger meaning that look, I don't think they really intended at all but it's just like oh yeah um doesn't feel great because no sprouse is an asshat um yeah it's not it's not good yeah that's hard okay we start the episode with clifford blossom 
we start the episode with Clifford Blossom, Dr. Werther's, and uh, Principal Featherhead all drinking together. And the second this started, I was like, oh, Clifford's the murderer. Because they're talking about the Muggs murders and how, you know, this is becoming, uh, uh, you know, this is becoming all anyone at PTA can talk about. And I think, and I think it is Clifford as murderer one because he's the one who's so quick to be like, we got to get this shut down. He's the one who's concerned about Ethel talking. Also, that gives a very cl- clear mirror to our season one of him being the murderer of Jason Blossom. That's also a part of why I think the the Julian we have here, as opposed to Jason, is so talkative, is so in everyone's face. He is definitely a presence where our previous Jason Blossom in our timeline never spoke a word. <laughs> And was really more of a looming thought as opposed to an actual physical threat. Um, so I think that's what's going on there. Maybe it could still be Hal, though. Oh, it could. It, Hal didn't kill Julian Blossom. No, but Hal could have killed the Muggses. He could have. Um, but whatever. They're they're talking. Uh, Dr. Werther's basically says that comic books are the murder weapon because of the depravity they show, which just makes me laugh because of the very scream reference that movies uh, don't make murderers. Movies make murderers more creative. Uh, love it. I I enjoy this problem. It's white men. It's rich old white men plotting nefariously. Yeah. Uh, so they talk about how they need to make sure that. People stop talking about the mugs. And uh, I believe it's Dr. Werther's is the one who says, I believe I know exactly how to make that happen. So we see Jughead walk into Pep Comics. Pretty much nobody's there. He goes, talks to Mr. Fieldstone, and he says, uh, everyone's got a stomach bug, which I thought was ding, ding, ding. Someone's poisoning somebody. And also, I wouldn't be surprised if Werther's has a line into Pep Comics. There's some weird connection between those. I mean, that's entirely possible given his past history of stories. Mm-hmm. Are, is it is it literally that in order to escape this, they're going to have to fight all their old demons? Sure, which, okay. But yes, that makes complete sense because where did all of those prompts come from? So if Dr. Werther's is running the Sisters of Quiet Mercy or like and running experiments, all of those people's traumas, those patients... That's where he's getting these ideas. That's where he's giving them to Pep Comics. Basically, Jughead wants to help. He gives him, hey, why don't you do uh, the issue, four stories, seven pages each, zero margin for error. Um, Jughead's like, okay, I'll write them on spec. And if you like them, great. And if not, there's plenty more where that came from. And Dr. Fieldstone's like, yeah, okay, kid. And gives him a stack of prompts just in case he needs help. Aspiring writers never write on spec. No. Artists of any kind don't do anything on spec. Also, if you're going for a job interview and they ask you to do any sort of quote unquote work demo prompt, don't. That is work. They have to pay you for that. Mm -hmm. So Jughead's like all excited. He goes outside to talk to Bernie, who's still there. And it's just like, I'm going to get to do this. But like, ugh, these ideas suck. Uh, Are there any original ideas? And Bernie says, says the teenager. So Jughead gets an idea. What about stories for teenagers and high school? Pep Comic doesn't have any of those, right? And Bernie's like, um, no. It's like, oh, we should do that. My friends buy our books. And, you know, what about a narrator that's actually, and then you think Jughead's going to talk about 
our meta jog here. Right. Um, he goes, a, a witchy lunch lady or a creepy janitor. We can call it homeroom of horrors. It's very cheesy. Bernie's like, none of us give a shit. Just go. Just go for it. Though I do love him calling, Bernie, you're a genius. Thank you. <laughs> Bernie's like, I've nobody's ever said anything nice to me the whole time I've worked here. <laughs> also, Bernie not being poisoned. Real, uh, real worry there. Yeah, Bernie may have poisoned everybody else. It's entirely Bernie, possible. Bernie could be the creepy janitor. No. Yeah. Uh, we cut on over to the train car, and Veronica comes in, and she's like, hey, let's go see um, this movie at the Babylonium. I know you don't mind subtitles. And Jughead's like, let's go tomorrow. I'm on deadline. And so Veronica sits down, because she is curious. I like the fact that she references Diabolique, mm-hmm. my French murder mystery about killer teachers will have to wait Uh uh-oh yep that 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 was a good drop Uh uh-huh uh so jughead starts to tell her that he's created a character called the key keeper who looks exactly like um the crypt keeper from tales from the crypt which i saw on instagram rs doing an interview that that was exactly what they were referencing um when they do the title card with riverdale it's exactly that font that's the vibe they were going for very cool oh yeah I mean, it's all it's all playing in. His janitor's outfit is fun. For half a second with the makeup, I thought it was KJ doing it. Ugh. I, I would I did look up the actor who's who's playing our janitor. It is uh no one we would know. They're yeah. a, a Vancouver person. Um also I was curious, is it somebody who had anything to do with the original Tales from the Crypt? No. Um it's just somebody who's really good at that fucking voice, so they they cast that very well. Yeah. But it that's what Tales from the Crypt was. It was these like weird, quirky horror stories that all played into a cheesy morality tale. Absolutely. And I used to love Dash be terrified of those. Like it was one of those things that I knew it could give me nightmares. I had really bad nightmares as a kid. And I also had a TV in my room. So it would come on and I would start watching it. And the second it got too creepy, I would turn it off. And I would be really proud of myself if I could get through the whole thing. How did you watch Tales from the Crypt? I'm pretty sure that was like an HBO show. Nope, it was Fox. Wow. Late night Fox. And by late night, I mean like mm, 11 o'clock. It might have been th- channel 33. I don't know. I grew up without cable TV, so I only had uh, what was regularly on television um, because of the dark ages. Um, yeah, Slim Pickens. That's yeah, also- it was, a, it was an HBO show. I watched uh, I Shot Andy Warhol uncut on PBS one night. Wow. I know. I mean, that makes sense. But also, <laughs> that movie should not be on regular television. It was late at night on public television. I know. Because it has some merit value. Also, go it listen does. to our review on our other podcast, Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What. That was in our, our uh, female-directed series. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyways, we got the crypt creeper janitor. Uh, he's come to tell us a tale of all the, you know, and he keeps the keys. He's the janitor at the school. And so our first story is called uh, Keep Your Head in the Game. <laughs> and we get a title card, same font. Um, and this one is about the basketball team. And every team has a player who's just not up to snuff. And that one is Dilton Doily. The coach says that they, they each have to make a free throw before they can go, and it comes down to Dylan, and he can't do it. And he keeps trying, and it's not happening. So then the coach says, all right, let's get some motivation, starts making the other teammates run laps until Dilton does it, and he just still doesn't get it. 
So Julian is yelling at him and then they all make it to the locker room and Julian, uh, you know, you need to do what coach said, coach cleats, which you gotta love that pun. I'm going to get your head in the game. And Dalton's like, well, how do I do that? We're going to stuff you all night in your locker. And Dalton's like, please don't, please don't. So they lock him in the locker. Meanwhile, Archie's going, Hey guys, I don't think this is a great idea, but Archie never does anything about it. Mm -hmm. And so then it's overnight and we come to find out that Dilton is horribly claustrophobic so morbidly morbidly so much so that he has a complete psychotic break so he's able to get out of the locker he goes and calmly grabs an axe and then goes and waits in the locker for his teammates to arrive so then we cut to the next day he is just making free throws just making them right you know, right after the other. And he's mumbling, got to keep my head in the game. Got to keep my head in the game. And Coach Cleats comes in. He's like, attaboy, Dooley. And then he looks at the basketball rack and it's in between different basketballs are his players' heads. And then he turns over to the bleachers and there are their bodies, headless, you know, just sitting in a row. And, you know, Coach Cleats starts screaming, help, somebody help. Goes over to the rack, gets a new head. It's Archie's. Riverdale. <laughs> that's, that's fun. We get a we get um a comic book freeze frame, you know, uh, uh melt in, which is very cool. Those are very fun. Um, yeah. Uh, I knew we were in for it. This was very. This was gonna be a real silly episode. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Like silly, and I don't have a problem with silly. So we, we cut back to the train car and uh, Veronica's like, that's good. Those bullies got what's coming to them. And Jack is like, yeah. And, you know, see, that's what Nitwit's like, Werther's just don't understand. Veronica's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, some of the generic comments are actually bite-sized morality tales. And Veronica's like, yeah, especially those that involve Julian Blossom getting his head cut off. Veronica's got the right idea. Yeah, she gets it. And Jughead goes on to explain yeah, comics can be over the top and bloody, but in these stories, people that break the rules get punished. People who are cruel to others get punished, and people who have lustful sex get punished. Whoa, which, whoa, whoa! Which is red like red flag, big, big fucking red flag. It's just like people who make bad decisions get punished, but no, it was lustful sex. Uh, to which Veronica's like, "Oh, tell me more about that, Juggykins." <laughs> So we cut into our next one. It's being introduced by our key keeper. And basically, Archie has gotten a flat tire and it's a dark and stormy night. So he is banging on the Thornhill door. Nana Rose opens like, hey, I need a place to stay because aw shucks, the garage is closed and no one will be able to make it until the morning. So Nana Rose is like, sure, come in. Uh and it's like, okay, but like, here's the thing. Um, you got to lock your door. Otherwise, you're basically going to be accosted by my granddaughter because she is ravenous. Not in her right mind. <laughs> no, to which like Archie's like, hmm, this sounds like it could be fun. The, the words are a compulsive craving for inappropriate touching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, Archie's reaction like, wow, I, Wow. Yeah, his face is so like I you have KJ killed it this episode. He played Archie as the biggest dum dum in the most believable way. It is so fun. He played Archie from the Chick Tracks Archie. Like that's 
That's a lot of what this is, too. They're referencing all the chick tracks and, like, weird, deeply religious shit that Archie was into for a while. Have you ever heard of chick tracks? Those no. are, like, those weird psycho-Christian comics. No. Well, Archie had a run with it. Like, oh. they did these deep Christian morality tales with Archie comics. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. So they're they're playing into that a lot too. Which is cool. Like I'm fine with that, but it's also very much Archie comics, like Archie reactions. Like we said it last time. Oh, I can feel the comic book, you know, sweat coming off of Archie's face. And here <laughs> it's full blown comic, which is just so fun. At some point I need that little bubble of sweat off to the side of him. It needs to happen more, which I could also see that being a thing. Um, that we are becoming more quote-unquote animated yeah but but anyways archie thinks this is not going to be so bad so he goes to bed that night and he chooses not to lock his door so he basically falls asleep and then he's woken up to cheryl coming to touch him because it's been so long <laughs> and uh he goes to turn on lights she goes oh no 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 with this is best done in darkness he's like okay so the next morning he's having breakfast and is like this is a good time uh, come to find out, Cheryl has leprosy. After her adventures. Uh, yeah, and uh, those nails in the road were not an accident. It was a trap from Nana Rose to make sure that Cheryl got to enjoy herself to the fullest before she surely died. The leprosy will surely take her. And then Cheryl puts her hand on Archie's arm, and it is very creepy. And then we cut to Cheryl, and she's in a wedding gown because, oh, yeah, they're going to see... They're going to live out their dying days together. Um, and she is very, very creepy. It's great. And Archie screams. Yeah. That's the other thing. Archie screams. KJ Appa. Holy shit, man. Adorable. Amazing screams. It does rival Madeline Petch's screaming. It's very good. We cut back to the train car. Veronica's like, well, what was the moral there? Good question. Good question. He's like, um... And Veronica's like, don't trust creepy old ladies and their nymphomaniac leprosy-ridden granddaughters. And Jughead goes, more like curiosity killed the cat or don't engage in heavy petting in the dark with someone if you don't have proper protection. Oh, Jughead. I love that. I like the shout out to protection because I've complained about that a lot on this show. But also. <laughs> yeah. Then Veronica mentions that Archie and Cheryl have broken up. And Jughead's like, how can you uh, keep track in this horny place? Um, and Veronica's like, well, that's why God created high school. What else is there to do? Which is pathetic. But also, that is where Veronica is playing into exactly the problem Jughead has. Is you think high school is only for messing with boys. Like, she's part of this problem. She's part of the problem. And at the same time, the judgment is way too harsh. Yes, Jughead is wrong. I am not saying that Jughead has every right, but Veronica exhibits these behaviors too. That's what makes this kind of an interesting episode. Like, we're digging into something. This this is where I like the dynamic between Jughead and Veronica. Yeah. They are very mentally matched, but that's it. Veronica wants it to be something else, and it's never going to be something else. That's the problem. I want to think this out in bigger terms for the series. Okay. I wonder if this is pointing us to the idea that they're somehow trapped in a subconscious place mm -hmm. and that what we're revealing is a lot of the really deep, deep stuff from the characters. 
Like this is always what was going on with Jughead and Veronica out in that real world. I don't think so. And I think that for that to be true, they would have to do so much connective tissue for us to fill in those gaps. And they don't exist. They mm. do not exist. They are not that smart to be able to do that. Yeah. I think I think it's fair to say these are underlying tendencies of these characters. Jughead, our timeline Jughead, was only ever interested in Betty, truly. Yeah. So he could have cared less about all of the school drama, girls trying to get boys, boys trying to get girls, boys trying to get boys, girls trying to get girls. He does not care. It is not his thing. This is just... A, a more extrapolated version of that thinking okay all right i don't know and 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 also it's putting the 1950s lens on it veronica does not give two shits about school for her our entire time even in our timeline school was about her getting with archie above anything else that was veronica getting with archie and getting back at her father that was the game so this veronica does not have parents to contend with in person so she's bored. We've already seen her make multiple mistakes with pitting boys against each other for her own entertainment. Uh, anyway, it's just interesting to like try to pick at it and see if we see if we can guess where they're headed. Yeah, because I will admit they're doing a pretty good job of hiding it. A good, a fair, a fair amount. Jughead, you know, then starts to complain about girls. Is like a girl will do just about anything to get a boy's attention. Which Veronica says, uh, including feigning interest in comic books, apparently. <laughs> I mean, she is giving all the signals and he is not picking them up. No, he he does not understand what's happening because he does not care. That is yep. not what's most important to him. His comic books and storytelling is what's most important to him. Yep. Uh, we cut to our next story. Uh, we're at the school and it is called Beehive and it's Betty with the return of her ponytail. We have not seen that in a while. And it is important to note that this ponytail is much longer than our timelines Betty's ponytail ever was. This one goes well past her shoulders. The one our Betty had uh, never went past, I think, her neck, really. Also, it's important to note that... The key keeper is referring to her as a plain Jane with the ponytail mane. Ponytail was her nickname from uh, Brett Weston Wallace of the, what is it? The other school. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what he called her. And then also later, the sex tape he made of them was Ponytail Princess. Oh, and let us not forget, Werther's was the dean of that school. Yes, the actor who's playing. It was his name wasn't Werther's, was it? I'm pretty sure it was Dean Werther's. I can't remember. It might. Yeah, I think you're right, but I just can't remember off the top of my head. It's been a minute. That season was cool. So Betty is walking, you know, through you know her classmates, and I think it's very. This is a great costuming choice. Betty is wearing bright fucking pink. Everyone else is in very cool tones, so she sticks out like a sore thumb through this, you know, blue filtered show. So it's really funny that nobody's paying attention to her. Nobody, no boys for Betty. So Betty is upset, so she goes to the hairdresser because she needs a new look because all the other girls have boyfriends. We get a performer in drag. Uh, this is actually the drag queen Joni. Uh, I wanted to look it up to make sure it wasn't like a previous performer we've seen. It's, we've not. Um, they're just a very well-known drag queen named Joni. There, there also, though, is this missed opportunity of if you're going to drop a hairspray reference, could you not have gotten somebody from the show to do it? 
Um, it would have been real fun. I mean, I I like that we're having a real drag queen play this role. I think that's appropriate because we that's don't fair. have anybody in our actual cast who performs in drag. I would have liked this drag performer to have looked more like Alice. Oh, for sure. Because I think that would have been so much funnier. But yes, this is a call to the show Hairspray. Um, The mom in that show is played by a drag performer. But also, this is the Hedwig episode where everyone wears a beehive. Oh, right. So that's the other part of this, which I also like. So again, um, having a drag performer uh, is on the nose. Uh, Would have loved it to look like Alice just because of how imposingly awful Alice is. Just to get some kind of like connection back to that. I think it was another place to have some connection because hairspray and then the beehive. Like, I get what you're going for, but then do this. So basically, she's going to put in a beehive. It's the coolest thing in Europe, but you can't ever wash it. You can never wash it. You can only hairspray it. So like, oh, that's gross. Yeah, that's not that's not how beehives work. <laughs> no, they do have to come down. There is some yeah. maintenance involved and you don't wash them very often, but they do eventually have to be washed and then reset. Um, your grandma used to go to the hairdresser once a week to get her hair washed and set. It's kind of the same thing. Yep. So she she's given her hairspray, her aqua set, lovely play on Aquanet. And the next day she goes to school and this beehive is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is the most absurd beehive ever and i love it it's so fun so everyone's staring at her and then they just think it's so cool and then the, the all the other girls are green with envy gangrene with envy gangrene with envy yes. oh That's, the crypt keeper puns are great the, the puns are on point this episode uh we see betty spraying a ton of hairspray in the bathroom uh veronica and cheryl come in just being bitches they call her a ponytail princess then we see Betty, who's at her locker, and all the boys are asking her out. Julian asks if he can hold her books, and Betty just throws them. <laughs> because Betty does not give a shit about anything except the beehive. Except the beehive. And then Archie is like, oh, can I take you out? And she's like, of course. And then she starts spraying her hair, and he gets starts coughing from the hairspray. <laughs> it's very funny. We see her, um, you know, spraying her hair before she goes to bed and then she lays down and she turns off the light and it's this big spider web from the light through the window that gets before cast the, over her bed before the terrible thing happened so she goes on a date with archie and he's like oh i'm with the ginchiest girl with the ginchiest hair oh my god oh he is so cheesy and then you know they start playing music he's like come on snake let's rattle and they go dance <laughs> i want to i want to call one thing out uh-huh. Pops Tate comes over mm-hmm. and is like, well, aren't you the cutest couple? Is like, isn't she great with the do? And Pops goes, Betty's always been a peach. Yep. That's all Pops Tate is always part of the moral center. Oh, he's always been a moral center. But I think, I think, uh, thank you for calling that out. I love that because that's also where Betty is the one for you, Archie. She is on the same wavelength. Yep. And Pops, Pops, I think, plays back into that Tabitha Angel thing. Like, Pops is always, it's always going to come back to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So they're dancing, and all of a sudden, Betty stops, and she collapses, and then she starts foaming at the mouth and convulsing. And Archie's like, somebody call, call an ambulance. Betty's having a fit. Oh, Betty. And then... Betty's at the morgue, and we see Dr. Curdle. Oh, thank God. He's not referred to as Dr. Curdle 
but we know him as Dr. Curdle. He's um, gotta be there. He's gotta be there. Every town has a coroner. And he starts to saw into her beehive and it opens and spiders start coming out. And he's yelling with anything but spiders. In and the it, most unconvincing fear. I know, it's great. And so then we find out that a black widow crawled into her beehive because, you know, she doesn't wash it. And Ugh. then it laid its eggs and hatched and basically started eating away at her brain. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I love when he cuts into the beehive and the hair just flies everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you'd think it was like a skull hat. It's so funny. Uh, it's very good. It's, it's so dumb, but it's adorable. So we, cu- we cut to the train car and Veronica is like, what? Beauty is only skin deep. Vanity kills. Are those different lessons or variations on a theme? Mm-hmm. And then she's like, what's wrong with wanting to look good? Boys do the same thing. You know, they lift weights to turn themselves into He-Man. And Jughead's like, uh. And then she's like, <laughs> I've, like, you're down to your last story, and I haven't had a starring role in any of them. And Jughead's like, okay, that's a good idea. Let's do that. And she's like, okay, I want something romantic or something that focuses on female friendship, which I find very funny because Veronica is a fucking horrible friend. She just is. She's only a friend when it will benefit her. That is true of the comics. That has been true of this show, our, our run, and this one. She's a reasonably good girlfriend. But to a friend, she's horrible. And she always has been. <sighs> but maybe she's trying to figure that out. Well, I don't think that will be the case. <laughs> I I do think it's something that our timeline Veronica was starting to wrestle with when she realized that her and Betty aren't really friends. And Archie chose Betty. And she's like, once now that her dad's dead, like, what is she supposed to do? Yeah. What is her life? Like, I do think that is fair. But this Veronica is not a good friend. So Jughead says, what if we did a flip on the classic teenage love triangle in which the girls don't go at each other's throats and cat fight? And Veronica's like, that is music to my ears. Let's go for it. Oh, boy. Monkey's paw curls. Yeah. And again, I kind of hate this because we've had the arguments. The fans have argued about, you know, the love triangle. Uh, the cast has said, we don't want to do the love triangle. It's boring. It's like, fuck off. That is the cornerstone of the source material of your fucking um, show. You have to do the love triangle. I do think they've done a decent job with it. I do like that the girls haven't been catfighty about it. Um, I do think that's fair. But it's just so fan servicey to like have this be here. It just is. I don't know. This is pretty fucking funny. This is done very well. But if we didn't have, it's just like all the baggage with it is what annoys me. Well, fair. Um, it is done very well. But um, it's probably the last time we're really going to do this. Yeah. So we, you know, we get to Archie's in class and he's a good egg, but he's a half wooded when it comes to making decisions. <laughs> um, he's like, should he go for A, the girl next door, or B, the rich starlet socialite? Um, but he chose C, both of the above. <laughs> so Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, Archie takes out Betty. And on Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays, he takes out Veronica. And then he goes on to explain that that's a lot for a young man. So he's downing coffee during these dates. And he keeps Sunday for himself so that he can rest. Him passing out at the movies is still one of the funniest moments. It's hilarious. And so then the narrator goes on to explain that, you know, you'd think that the other didn't know, but both girls knew he was dating both of them, which worked pretty well. But 
each girl wanted him for themselves. And so we see Veronica asking um, Archie to go on a movie. And then we see Betty, you know, asking for the same thing. And Archie's just, and they both are asking for him to like, when are you going to dump that, the other one? And Archie leans in and whispers, you're my favorite. And then they're both like, oh, really? Oh, my goodness. Fun bit. Uh, Veronica offers to take him to Double Indemnity, another movie we've watched. Yes. We cut to the locker room and the boys are asking Archie, how do you do it? And how, you know, two broads at the same time. What's your secret? And so he's oh just God. Said, like, I say these three words. You're my favorite. To which Doily's like, actually, that's four words because you're is a contraction. Shut up, Doily. <laughs> and then Archie's like, uh, don't forget. Um, also, you know, coffee. That's why God invented Sundays. How, how do you keep up? so funny and then oh. i love like they're laughing and then the janitor just like walks out from behind uh, the shower areas like things might have kept humming along until graduation day until the good ship archie was headed for an iceberg valentine's day which this year disastrously landed on a sunday <laughs> love it love this setup it's hilarious and archie being <laughs> doofus dumb terrible archie because he does from time to time archie can be a heel oh sure in the comics not in this show yeah we cut to the bathroom and cheryl is standing between you know betty and veronica powdering their noses and she asks who's archie taking out for valentine's day and they each go no it's me no it's me oh you're poorly mistaken oh um and betty you know throws you know archie's just still seeing with you because he's worried that you're so fragile you'll do something desperate to yourself he called me desperate as a glamour j egg and veronica throws back at betty well archie told me that you are so uptight you have to take your mom's sleeping pills to get any sleep she goes he told you that (laughs) and then so they kind of go back and forth a little bit you know betty tells veronica you know he hates being called archie Oh, so funny. Which I loved. And uh, Cheryl mentions, sounds like someone's been playing you two for fools. And so the girls stop and they look at each other and they go, that rat fink in unison. It's great. Uh, This is so funny. They go in the hallway and they're like, Archie, you have to choose which one. You have to choose. And Archie's like, sorry, I have to take my mom. What? You know, it's. It's her first Valentine's Day without my dad. I loved this because it's so like, you can't get pissed at this guy. You cannot get mad at him for this. Oh, uh, um, but he, the whole time, he's got that look on his face until he figures this out of like, uh, uh. No, and so he's like, um, like, I'm sure there's someone else who can take you. And, and Betty's like, no, it's okay. I've got some extra credit I'll do. And then Veronica's like, oh, yes. And um, there's this face mask I want to try. And Archie's like, so both of you are staying in on Sunday, right? And they're like, uh-huh. So we cut to Valentine's Day night. And the girls decided that they were going to go out on Valentine's Day together. Love it. Deciding to be friends. I'm not sitting home on Valentine's Day being sad. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're enjoying a meal. And then in watch Archie with Cheryl, which I fucking love this because this was always the thing that in the comics that I read that I grew up reading, Betty and Veronica would go back and forth about Archie. But then they were always united when Archie would randomly go out with Cheryl. It was like, oh, no, we will put our feud aside because he cannot date Cheryl. This is unacceptable. <laughs> this this cracked me up really, really hard. Um, Veronica wants to confront him, but Betty 
That's a different idea. They Skull also- and crossbones, dark Betty. Dark Betty, love it. So we cut to the hallway at school, and they invite him for a special date with both of them. So horny teenagers forever. Uh, and Archie's like, okay, but but you need we need to meet at shop class after hours. And Archie's like, why? She's like, because it's soundproof, and we're gonna make a lot of noise. Uh, this is so Heather's thoroughbreds plotting conniving horror stuff. It's so funny. It is so funny. So later we're in shop class and they have made a bed in the shop class and Archie comes in, he starts to take off his shoes and they're like, no, no, hold on. Don't forget your coffee. And Archie's like, um, I don't think I'm going to need a boost for this. And they're like, no, no, we're, you're going to need this for what we have in store. And so he starts to drink it and he gets woozy. And later... As he's coming to, they're standing over him, and he's been strapped to a table, and they start a circular saw, and they're going to cut him in half, because they want to double their fun. They are so delightfully deranged. It's great. And then we cut to the Pembroke, and the girls are sitting, both covered in blood, and one side has Archie's torso, and the other has Archie's legs, and they're both just happy as can be as the key keeper says here for the first time, Betty and Veronica are with their beloved Archie on the same night at the same time, secure in their knowledge that they'll never have to share him again. Didn't I tell you he was a half wit? <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> and then. <laughs> then we go to the train car and Veronica is kind of disgusted and annoyed by the story. And she goes, I'm detecting a pattern that sexual politics in most of your stories are troubling, to say the least. She's not wrong. No, she's not completely wrong. And Jughead's like, "Uh, I think you're overthinking it. They're meant to be a gas. And Veronica's like, for whom? Not teen girls. Not when you're depicting them like shallow, crazy killers. Is that what you think of us? And Jughead's like, no, of course not. The boys aren't great either. So you admit you're demonizing women. That's where that I feel like it went too far. I, f- I feel like demonizing women is very much a 2023 statement, not a 1950s statement from a Veronica. And I know we can say, oh, that's the bleed through of the characters, but I don't think it is. And it doesn't make any sense for this spot. Eh, it's a little it's a little much. I I do like where you point it is that Veronica's overreacting. That's pretty normal for Veronica. It's it's. She is overreacting and that is normal, but she's also, it's almost like she's being defensive of herself, which also makes sense. Yeah. But it just, it just went very full throttle too fast. Eh. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a good indicative thing of both of these characters. Jughead's like, oh, I just meant this as a joke. And she's like, it's not funny to me. <laughs> which is, which is fair. Yeah. Um. So Jack is like, it's just a comic book. Why don't we go catch the last showing of Diabolique? Um, and she's like, I'm going to take a page from your last story and split. And Jack is like, are we, are we not copacetic anymore? Oh, we are. I'm just tired. I'll catch you at school tomorrow. Promise. So then the next day, they're walking down the hall and she doesn't even acknowledge him, doesn't say hi or anything. I like the, the voiceover says, we'd no longer be the Marilyn Monroe and Arthur Miller of Riverdale High. <laughs> Which... You know, it's not a great couple, but it's a good pull for the time. Yeah. She'd once again be the beautiful socialite and I'd be the Melvin who writes comic books. So then we cut back to, you know, the three awful men talking about how awful the comic books are. And Dr. Weathers has written an article talking about how horrible they are. 
and they decide they're going to go after Pep Comics uh, because that is their civic and moral duty. <laughs> and so then we cut to Pep Comics and Jughead is there. He's getting praised by Dr. Fieldstone. And he's like, um, and they kind of talk about like, you know, the girl I was talking to doesn't like her comics. It's like, well, maybe she doesn't know what that means or, you know, you busted your ass and, you know, that deserves some extra credit. And Jughead's like, a bonus? Ha! <laughs> no um i was thinking of credit my name on the cover no a byline on the inside and joke is like <laughs> my name in print and he's like my friends would flip for that and so field so says what about jughead jugular jones and jughead's like i'm crazy for it and he Fieldstone says look i don't know much but i know this girls come and go but your name in print that's something that'll make people sit up and take notice and Jughead says, little did any of us imagine how prophetic Mr. Stone's words would turn out to be. Riverdale. Yeah. Like, if you don't overthink this episode, it's just very fun and silly. It's very fun, if only for Archie. And I got to say, they are. I, it's that weird thing of they are very clearly dropping hints, but they're dropping hints to something we don't know yet. Yeah. Which I kind of love from them because that's not usually their thing. Mm -hmm. They're trying to pull out something really fun for this last season. And I'm sure it won't be satisfying in great detail because we don't trust these writers. Mm -hmm. Specifically RAS. But oh, yeah. I will hand it to them that I feel like they're doing a better job of not telegraphing their hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are. Credit where credit's due. Yeah, no, they're they're doing better with that. RAS needs to stop giving interviews that they post on Instagram the day the episodes come out because it gives away too much. He's done that before, but he needs to stop it. I mean, I don't watch it, so. Yeah, <laughs> but well, yes, I you see should. It. So then I have to. All right, let's go see the next time on. Okay, well, next week is called Peep Show, and it looks like Archie and Betty are giving each other a little peep. <laughs> um, we don't have much context other than Betty is asking Veronica what sex is like. So, yeah, things are going to get a little hot and heavy between uh, our, our favorite Barchie. Also giving nothing away other than they are going to window bone. <laughs> window bone. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, fine. Uh, this is this is so interesting. They used to give so much more away. <laughs> they they would do so much that told us nothing, and also like this is completely misleading. And so like we know there's going to be a lot more than just this happening, but like this is a good trailer. Like I've talked I've talked about it before. It's that we think Mad Men used to do that's like it killed you just enough to be like, oh, I'm I'm interested to know the context of that scene without telling you anything that's actually happening. It was maybe the best TV trailer cuts I've ever seen. The other weird thing is, I almost wonder, now again, they could be totally faking us, but I almost wonder if this to-be-continued thing from Jughead mm -hmm. is actually not going to come into play for a few episodes. No, it will. All right. I mean, it might happen this next episode, but I just don't know. It is. When you look at the actual episode descriptions um, on Archie, on the Archie Wikiverse page, it's very much like... Oh, they're telling you all the stuff. Yeah, they they only did those framework pieces, honestly, to to bridge between episode four to episode six, because five is almost like a little bit of a pause. 
but they want it to have to continue like this narrative arc so that's why they did those mm-hmm. uh, and it's going to be we're going after pep comics as the problem and let's be clear the to be continued thing is also just a, a fun bit and nod to them doing comic book stuff here so yeah that's the point yeah i don't know I, i'm i'm looking for significance if possible mm-hmm. yep this show doesn't have significance not not really well until next time hashtag go bulldogs Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.